Alexa, what time is it? It's 6.27 p.m. Yay, and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. He's only gone and done it. Yay, I've done it without actually pulling what little hair I have left out. Yeah. When was the last time we started at 1827? I don't know. I don't know. Um, But it's been a couple of weeks. We've had um, a couple of weeks running where technical issues, by which we mean the the link that comes from Zoom, there's a button that then, a page that then opens up um, with a button that says go live for Facebook. And that kept disappearing um, at inopportune moments. So it it meant... (laughs) that I frantically had to swear a lot um, in the silence. But anyway, here we are on a sunny Sunday afternoon. Episode 35. Yeah. And how long have we been in lockdown? Well, I'm, I'm 42 days tomorrow. So that is, yeah, I'm at the six weeks um, in terms of, of tomorrow. And so I guess that's five weeks for you. How are we finding it? Um, yeah, it's... I, I, in, in some weird ways, I've kind of fallen into a bit of a rhythm with anything yep. other than my, to be honest, my sleeping and waking routine. I had one day this week, which I consider a success, where I got up as early, as horrendously early as 8.30, whereas otherwise the rest of the time I'm actually waking about sometime between 10 and 11 or sometimes even later. Oh, um, you've gone nocturnal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nearly a hamster. Oh, see, I, I'm the other way about. It's like this morning, I was 10 to 7, I was up. Rocking and rolling. Oh well, I, I like the idea of early rises, um, but I just can't translate that into um, actually getting up. And the alarms go off fine. It's just I've managed to completely <laughs> beat them back to <laughs> yeah, sleep to, again. To completely ignore them. On the on the only good side though is um, pretty much every day this week I've made use of my treadmill. Um, and so sorry to my downstairs neighbours if they wonder kind of what the kind of like the thumping noises um and um yeah I'm, I'm at least kind of getting a bit of exercise and oh you're getting a bit of bonus exercise in as well as the fresh air version yes yep yep so i'm getting getting some steps in um quite heavily and you know I, me singing along while on, on a treadmill to uh to glee soundtracks um is um is probably a TikTok video that no one wants me to share. No, that, that's 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 not going to be good, is it? So, so, yeah, no, we had a treadmill for years, sat in the corner of our dining room, uh, gathering dust as treadmills tend to do. Sold it about two months ago. Oh, aren't you regretting that now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 the timing on this has been perfect. As same with my loo roll based debacle. We used to get ours ninety a time from Amazon. Decided that wasn't working for us, so cancelled that order about two weeks before lockdown. So, uh, yeah, yeah, shambles, mate. Well, yeah. that was a bit. Uh, yeah. um, so, what have we got lined up today, then, Ian? We've got uh, Councillor Terry Norton from Drayton and Farlington coming to join us. Um, so we'll we'll see what uh, what's been keeping Terry busy. Obviously, had a great chat last week with with Steve Pitt, who's running around trying to get the council to operate. And so we'll get a different perspective on on lockdown life mm-hmm. as a councillor and what that 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 involves. Um, we've got a little bit of a session on what does it mean to be in opposition in these. Yes. Heady times, you know, about whole, you know, the balance between holding folk to account and being uh, being accountable. We've got a little bit of 
stuff from across the pond and uh, and the leader of the free world and his foray into healthcare expertise. Um, <laughs> that's one way of describing it. Um, I, think, oh, I think that's that's colourful. And then uh, final uh, final section is to have a little chat about um, about South Sea Seafront, Dane Tain. South Sea Seafront, indeed. We are already joined. Our eager viewer is the lovely Dave Ashmore from Fratton Fame. Ah, oh, superb. Um, so we Dave. Are, yes, good old Dave. Um, he he does as well by lending us his ears um, each Sunday evening, which is which is good of him. Um, and it looks like we've we've been joined by um, Milton local uh, Kimberly Barrett. So we're um, we, we're we're pushing the envelope today. Yes, reinforcements, mate. Like the postman, oh. we're pushing the envelope. Well, I, I figure that you would feeling nervous. It's not often you get out number two to one on the podcast. So. And and so. we have Scott Peter Harris saying hi. So ah, oh, brilliant. That's a, that's even the numbers up. <laughs> Three each. Good stuff. So come on, we need some reds now. We need some reds. Yeah, they they don't like us as much, do they? Well, they well they seem to take a particular shine to oh, you, mate. But that's can something we, can different. we put an appeal out? Does yeah. anybody out there know a green? We've been trying to reach out to the greens, trying to get them a bit of a platform, and as of yet, we've not managed to move them to come and join us. So we've already got a guest lined up for next week. But if you know a green, obviously you can't hug one, but um. You know, we think it's worthy of a chat with the Greens uh, at this time. As yeah, yeah, we've not managed to move them to come and join us. No, it's um, it is a, it is a, it is a shame. But I guess it's a, it's a strange time at the moment. So who knows? They, they might, yeah. um, they, they might be coming along. But there's, I, I think now it is probably an interesting time to have some conversations about environmental issues. Um. Because I remarked today on my constitutional work. Is it just me or have the birds got larrier lately? Um, I I can't say I've I've noticed that. I can't. Yeah, say I, I I sense, and it might be a stir crazy element. I just seem to be in the trees, giving it large. We're out and about doing our stuff. You're not. Uh, certain I've 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 felt they've had a little bit of. A little bit of an edge about them the last week or so. Um, maybe you're just being resentful of them in this in the same way that you know it's very easy to um, it's very easy to kind of see other people out and about and be instantly kind of put into a frame of mind of questioning whether are they dis- are they two meters apart. It's almost like the Olympic um, the Olympic two meters. Are that oh is that person two meters? Are they from the same household? And you could kind of tie yourself up in knots with that, but it, it's very easy to be drawn to it because obviously they're very visible. So I don't know, maybe that's the kind of thing that's happening with the birds. Maybe. Oh, I think they're well, I think there's more to it than that. I think they're giving it large. Scott agrees that they they they've always been chirpy. So hey, yeah. so maybe we should tweet about that. Oh, ah, Terry then. Um, so let's go. Let's go check the waiting room. See whether see the Artel is here and ready for us. And in comes Councillor Norton. He says, "I've pressed the button." Oh, it's not more button issues. No, don't don't tell me we've had more technical things. We can, we can't be having that. Here we are. Yay. 
Hi, Terry. Evening, gentlemen. How are you? Fine. Yes. Welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me on your uh, first episode of season two. Is that right? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, our second. Our second year. We're we're excited, um, and we're like a coiled zebra, ready to pounce. <laughs> Oh, hang on. Dave's getting leery now. He's saying that he's cast us both onto his TV. It's like we've got oh. all Hollywood. Good well, Lord. We are flattering. Not, not sure I can approve of that. So, Terry, for those folk that don't know you, um, obviously councillor for the fine ward of Drayton and Farlington, just around the corner from Simon and I, who are both costume residents. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how and why you got into local politics. I certainly will. So, yeah, Terry Norton, uh, Dray- uh, Conservative Councillor for Drayton and Farlington, and I'm the Shadow Cabinet Education Member um, for the Conservative Group on the Council. So, I- I'm a teacher by trade. Uh, me and my partner are both teachers, and we have a, a four-year-old daughter. And-, and for me, I think it was about listening to lots of people uh, complain about politics and have strong opinions, but no one really being prepared to do anything about it. So, you know, staff rooms full of uh, complaints... I decided one day, right, I'm, I'm at a point in my career where the next step is to, uh, you know, look at becoming a head teacher, or do I want to take a step away and, and look at trying to help the community or, or the wider uh, community? So I got involved with the party. Uh, I, I used to attend some rallies and, um, you know, election campaigns and things like that. Uh, stood in, in Baffins, which is, a, a, I think, a fair to say, a, a fairly strong liberal democrat seat uh, and did really well had a really good response on the doorstep uh, enjoyed it had lots of ideas re-campaigning um, and then managed to reduce the majority there i think it was something like 1600 down to or 1400 down to 132 something like that um so caught the bug really um following that there was an opportunity to stand in drayton Farlington, and I've, I've not looked back since including being a campaign manager for the generals in portland south and uh, Drayton and Farlington would be so safe to say we had a quick peek of the results just before you came on, and I think you romped home with fifty-five percent of the vote. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was nice to get across the line there. Lots of very like-minded residents in Drayton and Farlington. Absolutely. So, a conservative teacher. I am. Uh, yeah, that's um, yeah, you you, yeah, they're not. They're a rare uh, breed. Somewhat, somewhat, somewhat a rare breed. <laughs> I think there are more out there than you think, actually. It's just that, you know, conservative teachers don't tend to show up being conservative as much as, um, you know, left-leaning teachers do. I think it's uh, an industry which is from day one, when you, when you qualify, you're dragged into a hall to sign up to unions, and they kind of fill your head with this mantra of evil senior, senior management, you must protect yourself again. And for that, I think a lot of young teachers um, uh, you know, certainly buy into the unions, and it, it's kind of a difficult to cut i think um there are conservative teachers out there they're just not hugely vocal no no a, a minority it would seem no. so so in terms of obviously we are we are living in the strangest of strange times so uh what what have been the hot topics that you've uh, you've had to be tackling in drayton and farlington or just as a councillor generally what, what's been the uh, what's been keeping you busy over the last god now five weeks yeah, over the last five weeks, it's changed a little bit, really. Um, a lot of my uh, casework has kind of gone through um, kind of a three-week process, really. It started off with lots of um, self-employed and businesses trying to understand what furlough means and 
what 80% means to them and how to apply and sorting out lots of that. Week two then became more about the vulnerable and, and working with the hive. They were doing a fantastic job at getting out and knowing where the vulnerable are and, and supporting them and helping them and their needs. Um, and then week three, it's moved on to, I dare say antisocial behavior, but it's, it's people like Simon said earlier, really, with a, saying there's lots of people out, we're, we're questioning their intentions. There are barbecues happening. It sounds like it's a house party. Are they social distancing? Um, so that's kind of the, the trajectory that we've been on, really. But most of my casework, or a lot of my casework, comes from putting myself out there, I think. We've got a fantastic Brayton and Farmington neighbourhood watch group with well over 4,000 members. So by being active on there, lots of things come through. Um, and, we've, and, you know, what's really taken me is, is one, the levels of support, but also the community so quickly coming together to, to offer their help. Um, you know, we've got a, a fantastic local butchers, for instance, in Greater Farmington, whose uh, egg supplier had their chicken stolen. Shepherds. And that's it. Yeah, AM Shepherds in Tregaran Avenue. They're fantastic. They are my they are my local butcher, and I I must confess that um that my barbecue has been running today with their fine fare atop it. Yeah, it's it's superb, and they do lots of really lean stuff as well. So anyone that's on a diet and things like that, they're really good with their Weight Watchers things and all that sort of stuff. So I pop up there and get some of that when I can. Um, but yeah, so they had their the, the story broke that they that their egg supplier had their chicken stolen, and within two or three days, a local resident. Um, put together a, a just giving page. They wanted four, five hundred quid, I think it was, and, and raised, you know, twelve hundred, um, you know, to, to to send over to this farm and, and help buy some new chickens. So again, it's just communities coming together, really working hard to do, you know, the right thing for those in need. I think. Yeah, it was a nice story. My, my wife and I followed it and were part of it, and it was that, you know, they they aimed for five hundred pound. I think they got twelve hundred pound in just under in about twenty four hours, and uh, mm. the money didn't go to waste because I think there was another little local farm down the road that that had had a similar similar instance. So, and again, you touched on on the hive there, um, you know, which Steve talked about last week when he was on. Can you give some examples of the kind of things that 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 you know kind of support that they've been putting out there well i can give you a personal example my nan and granddad um are self-isolating they're very elderly and i'm both quite sick and uh you know off with very limited communication they received um a fantastic package of, of food of essentials and non-perishable things um, and and they're arranging their medication so they will go and collect whatever medication they need bring it to them and I think that's fantastic. That's, you know, and that, that was all organised. It was a, a surprise to them that that was, was going to happen. And, and they were really, really thankful for it. So I think it's about those parcels, about those packages, making sure that everybody's got, you know, what they need in terms of food and medication, but also that support so that people know where they can turn to if they struggle and, and have those kind of conversations if need be. There, there are indeed... A, a wonderful local resource there's been it, it is heartening isn't it to see that it's kind of it, i guess it it's that bit pride of portsmouth bit where you see lo, loads of local community groups but um organizations like the hive kind of stepping in and actually people coming together um in some ways that's actually really nice to see that you know probably you know what you might see in the newspapers or whatever is is you know things that aren't quite going so well but actually when you sit down and look at it there are lots of really good news stories about what people are doing and how people are coming together the sorts of ways local businesses are helping out their communities 
Absolutely. And I mean, you, you, you don't have to uh, look far to see opinion polls of how people are feeling during this. And I actually think, you know, the results of those are, are bringing people together. They, you know, surprisingly, uh, the Sky News one that I looked at recently, politicians were favor looking quite favourably and they had quite good trust levels um, where the media, the news um, and present TV print, uh, television presenters were right down the bottom. I think people don't want negativity during these times. These times bring people together. It's about positivity. It's about getting through this together. And I hope that when this is all over, we can really rekindle that sense of community that in some areas we've lost. I think that I think... naturally segues us. Oh, sorry, go on, Ian. No, carry on, mate. Um, I think that that really neatly segues us into into our next question is what what do you think? Because obviously in Portsmouth, the Conservatives are the opposition, but nationally, obviously, the Conservatives are are um, quite substantially in power, is fair to say. Um, yeah. What what do you what do you see as the as, as the function that an opposition um, has in a in a time like this? Well, it's difficult. I think you still need to hold to account, but it changes the way that you do it, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Because anything that is perceived to be uh, negative, I think, comes across quite badly. Um, so it's finding the opportunities, I think, to work with administrations. I know that on the Portsmouth City Council, you know, the, your teams are blue and yellows. Our teams have been working uh, quite well together, actually, and, and credit where credit's due in terms of transparency there. Um, I think the other party have, well, there are two, aren't there? But the other major party have kind of not really engaged with that too much. They wanted to do their own thing, I think, where possible. Um, but I know that there have been conversations regularly between you know, Steve and, and Donna and, and turning to Donna for you know, her advice as, in her experiences as leader of the council. Um, and I think we've put it, any differences aside, really, it's, it's really about making sure that things are running, being transparent and, and doing all we can for residents that's what people want really don't they don't know they want their political party and their politicians to, to work together i think it was um it was keir starmer that said wasn't it when he, when he was um just after he, he was elected as a labor party leader said that he'd, he'd want to make sure that as a party they um they existed to make a point but not to score them and that's um i think that kind of speaks to a bit of a difference about rather than trying to score points or win over in particular ways what's um what's useful at this point at this point in time is yes you need to have a would you say would you say it's it's fair to have um conversation or a bit of a question as to how has this decision been arrived at or um have you you know is there this particular solution for example and you know kind of things like that rather than just trying to list up points that are failures or where things have gone wrong? Yeah, well, I think like always, it's about offering an alternative. I don't think, you know, prior to this, effective opposition is just about mudslinging and pointing the finger. You always have to come up with something better or, or a solution. And um, it, during this time, I think it's about, you know, offering ideas, not sitting on things and keeping holding them, hold of them in case you want to use them in a future date and kind of owning it. It's about being very transparent and and yeah, share, sharing wherever possible. I do feel for Keir because he's he's coming in, you know, into power as and when it's quite difficult, I think, for him to, to make a mark and to to, to have an impact um, because it will just come across negatively. And, and fundamentally, it's the same when it comes to campaigning, isn't it? People don't want negative. 
Well, I, I do wonder, to be honest, Terry, because I think I think Kia's in a really difficult position. As I, I would agree with you there, because he was obviously considered to be perhaps the one of the more moderate or the more centrist um, candidates in, in that leadership race. And you know, obviously, that the, the the Labour Party for the previous four elections had held very kind of firm to its it, it, its Corbynite socialist, very left-wing message. So I think the, the challenge that Kia's, I think his, his between a rock and a hard place is that if he's not seen to be adversarial enough, you know, is he going to get stick for moving back to that, you know, red Tory Blair, yada, yada, that, go, that, that quite often pervades the, the, the media, you know, if they think that, that there's just not enough fighting. Yeah, well, I think he's going to get that anyway, isn't he? Because I think he is probably more centre than, um, certainly than Corbyn. Um, but I think that's what, for effective opposition, I think that's what the party needs. I think British politics is fought in the centre ground. Um, he's going to have an issue with their executive, because I think it is mainly kind of momentum driven. But I think it's a, it, it's a negative for Labour, really. I think, you know, that we have the opportunity as Conservatives, I think lots of the the, the right tend the far right tend to kind of go off and uh, and join other parties and not really get involved with us um but the far left i think are infiltrating labor so it's pulling them more and more left um, and until they address the issue i think it is an issue as well of momentum then i think they're going to struggle to find common ground really as a party let alone as an effective opposition it, it does feel to me very much like would it have been the early 80s when I think it was early to mid 80s where I, I first got in I first got involved in politics and um, being young and impressionable was uh, was one of the red team and uh, you know at that point it was militant that were you know looking to to, to move the party in a different direction and you know it, it took it took a very strong leadership and a very long time to move the party back to the centre. Yeah, but well, like you, I when I first started teaching, I bought into the, I can't say illusion, but I certainly bought into the unions and wanted to be active um, and, and was the young members of the union. Um, but quite quickly, didn't, didn't really feel that it represented me and, um, and moved away from that. But I do think there is a lot of... It, being a Labour supporter does appeal to um, a lot of younger people, for sure. Yeah, we've just, we've got, we've become old and cynical, Terry, or yeah. older and more cynical. So, so one one thing which I am not convinced about, so Simon, I'd welcome your thoughts on this, is that I think the I think the not being um, adversarial had actually held pretty well until for me the, the last week where the narrative has moved towards you need to be telling the British public what's coming next um, you know obviously we heard some stuff from Nicola Sturgeon you know about her thoughts and the Welsh First Minister I forget his name who, who did a fantastic presentation that said we're going to have the red zone where some of the restrictions will be released and then the amber zone where a few more will be released, and then the green zone where we get back to like we were last year. 
So he described thought, a risk assessment. Basically. I thought in terms of providing clarity and leadership there, I was I was overwhelmed by that. But there does appear to me to be a bit of sniping that says, you know, you should be telling people what's coming next. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think Simon, do you want to go or shall I? No, you go. You go. You go first, mate. It's fine. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, it's difficult, isn't it? Because people are getting more and more frustrated. The longer it goes on, the more fed up people are going to get. And they're going to want something solid. But I think it's okay to say we're not sure at this stage. I think it's okay to say we need to look at the evidence and what's coming from and track things. I mean, I like the five tests that are there i think they are you know slightly ambiguous in terms of some of the words because then you can pull them away and say well hold on, we didn't say that was going to happen we said if or we were going to monitor it but i mean if you look at them it's those five tests were about making sure the nhs can cope uh, they were about making sure that there's a fall in the daily death rate weren't they they were about infections de decreasing ensuring there's a supply of, of, of ppi and tests and then i think the most important one is um ensuring that we're not at risk from a second peak and the issue will be, some will think, well, hold on a minute, the NHS is coping at the moment. Yes, they're stretched, but they're coping, so therefore, let's end lockdown. I think it does need to be all of them, and it's the right thing to do. Um, most importantly, solid evidence that we're not going to have a second peak. Uh, so I, it's okay, I think, in politics sometimes to say, you know what, we don't quite have the answer yet. Yes, you're going to get criticised, yes, the media will jump all over it, but in unprecedented times, you, I think it needs to be, we need to be certain. Yeah, I, th I, um, I, I can kind of see two two sides to this one. If I'm uncharacteristic for me, I know, but I have to be honest that although part of me, my from a personal perspective, um, I like to be able to um, analyze and take apart um, from a point of view, just understanding how they work, what kind of comes next. What I'm reading between the lines from what the government is and isn't saying is we're we're not near that point yet. Um, yep. But it does seem to me to be quite interesting because if you listen to some of the, you know, and I'm and I'm not, I, I I'm not defending everything that's that's been done because I think at, at some point in the future there are going to be questions to ask. But the 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 um the way I've I've kind of come to a conclusion about that is yes, that needs to be looked at. But if your house is on fire, you put the fire out before you start the investigation as to how the house how the fire started. Um, and the fire's still running, the fire's still raging. Um, and I, and I kind of think actually there's kind of like a little bit of cynicism in me that says, but surely knowing how some opposition uh, parties, um, and some media might want to then kind of jump on and pick at the details of what any future plans for changing or and i think probably relaxing is, is the is the wrong word to use because it gives the wrong impression but changing the existing lockdown measures um would actually steer them away from asking questions about things that have happened that you can't change so in yeah. some ways you almost kind of think well if the government really wanted people to kind of move off of focusing on what's being done whether you know for right or for wrong then actually probably a relatively easy thing for them to do would be to say Oh, look over here! This is this is this is what this is how we will start moving away from our existing situation, and these are the measures by which we will judge whether it's right for us to do that. So we've kind of got one part of that, which is our, which is the five, you know, the five tests, which seems to be kind of clear. So I, I can kind of see a bit of, you could probably they could probably give a bit more than just saying nothing of it, 
And actually, maybe yep. the clearer thing to say would be, we've got these tests, we are planning. Um, and honestly, to be to be open, but not to necessarily to the public, but, but to be working through those plans with, uh, you know, from a Privy Council perspective, with um, the relevant people in opposition parties would be probably a sane thing to, you know, a good thing to say right now. Um, I think maybe they kind of make a bit of a rod for their own backs by trying to pretend that um, th those questions aren't being asked. It, it struck me yesterday, um, for example, with the with the Downing Street um, press briefing that um, that if you find yourself continually having to say we've been clear, then obviously people don't think you have. Um, and and maybe there's a kind of different way of leveling with people. Um, and almost actually, to be honest, I think as much as people felt differently about it in the beginning, what Boris said that really kind of cut through was that actual honesty that was quite shocking was that line about sadly many family members, are, you know, many families are going to lose family members before their time. I think that got people to sit up and listen. Um, I don't know, I, I, but it, it's an unprecedented situation. How do you... Yeah. How do you kind of, how do you decide which is the best way? Yeah, and I think to the, uh, my own opinion is that the, 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 the it's, I think they, you know, I'm absolutely certain they know exactly what the measures are going to be. It's just when they're going to deploy them. But I think, you know, when I've looked at this, you know, again, I'm not an expert by any measure but i've got a little bit of a background in science and i'm married to a microbiologist so you know who, who does do all the reading of, of all the scientific stuff that's knocking about some you know it's not willing i, I think at the moment it, it's it's not being willing to say to some of the higher risk groups do you know what lockdown's not going to end for you for insert a very large number of weeks and i think that's where the I think that's where the government's challenge comes is, you know, because I don't know about you guys, but I am, I am theoretically mentally working towards Thursday, May the 7th, which is the next, that's the next date. Um, I don't in any way, shape or form believe that anything will happen on May the 7th, but at least that feels like a manageable distance away. Your thoughts, Terry? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think people would like to have, you know, dates in mind and, and marks to, to look forward to. I think the issue is that the minute you start talking about any form of relaxation or, or, or you know, anything like that, it, it becomes red, it becomes solid. And, and you, you see that a lot in, in the media. I think there was a piece yesterday in the newspapers that said something along the lines of, you know, think about the family members that you want to see or start to think about those. And it was read by many as, okay, family members are going to be able to come and move in you know, with me, and, and, and it's it's that fear of misleading, I think, and and we live very busy lives, even during lockdown, I think people still live on snapshots and, and pieces of information that get lost through social media and things, so I think wherever possible, the government have to probably err on the side of caution with, you know, with these sort of things. I've, I've like you guys, I've heard the, the, the three-phase return, the ideas of small businesses maybe opening first, and with you know, employers with less than 50 members uh, moving on to, to schools. But I think one thing's for sure, the message that we need to get across or that the government need to get across is that life isn't going to be the same in the immediate future. It's not going to be business as usual. 
lockdown, not lockdown, but social distancing is probably going to be a big part of our lives for a long, long time to come. And, you know, we're going to be looking at vaccinations and things before lots of the vulnerable and elderly can, can get out and get back to some form of normality. Um, I think that could be helpful if they were to sort of explain what it might look like, but not when. Yeah, but I think that's the challenge, though, Terry. So I, I fall into one of the higher risk groups as a type two diabetic and I, I get through the days and the weeks. OK, you know, if you were to, you know, if somebody was to tell me now I'm not going to be able to get back to the gym or to go and play any sport or go and watch rugby until I'm vaccinated early part of next year. That is a that is a. I can't countenance that, if I'm being honest, mate. No, it's difficult. It is difficult, which is why I think you need to. We, they need to take care with, with with what's coming out. I mean, I don't think the ambiguous kind of wording is is, is helpful, though. But again, yeah. unprecedented times. I do think we're handling it as a nation. I think we're handling it better. I think we are uh, slightly more positive than than others. You see the protests and things in America. Um, and actually, I think we're coming together quite well to craft each other. You're doing a beautiful job of segueing there, Terry. This is this is lovely work. You've, you've, you've put, it's almost like we've you've planned put it. some of the previous guests to shame. They just sort of stumble about. It's, uh, Amateurs. Um, none, none of the ones that are watching, obviously. But um, so, in terms of ambiguity of words and um, and uh, offering up advice, obviously uh, this week saw an unprecedented uh, piece of work from the leader of the free world. Have you got the wheels of steel there, Simon? Um, yeah, hang on a second. So, supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that too. Sounds interesting. That's uh, that's pretty powerful. I would like you to speak to the medical doctors to see if there's any way that you can apply light and heat to cure. You know, so yeah. Thoughts, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to listen to that about putting your hands over your eyes and shake your head, isn't it? Um, I, I... Yeah, I've, I've, I've maintained it. In fact, I think I'm probably going to have to just reach to the other side of my desk. Take a beer with that. Really, it's, <laughs> it's got you turning to alcohol. I mean, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I'm, I am now going to crack the top on a beer because, frankly, that was just incredible. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't think Trump has handled these the press conferences well, particularly well, really. Um but it makes me think: what What are his press team doing? What are you know? Why are they still putting him in in front of the camera and giving him free reign? I mean, I, I can't believe that he has is allowed to have control over his own Twitter and, and tweet from bed. Is that sort of thing that we hear? Um, you know, he's the you know, leader of the free world, and I just think he's probably uh, it would be now would be a good time for somebody to say, right, okay, this is doing a lot of damage, um, not just to you and your you know campaign, but actually to to, to, to the nation um, and and pull it away a little bit. Have medical professionals there doing those kind of press conferences like we have over here, really. It, it does seem um, 
I think kind of to answer one of your points, it seems like from, well, from, to be honest, from ongoing evidence that despite numerous probably attempts by his so-called quote-unquote handlers um, to try to, um, I don't think control is the right word, but try to restrain the um, the Donald, <laughs> um, the president, um, I don't think anybody's found a way to have any success with that. And, in, and indeed, the if anything, his recent response seems to be that because he wasn't happy with how people re- reacted to him saying those things and, and his medical advisor pretty much having her head in her hands as, as he said that, um, and then trying to claim that he was being sarcastic because he was playing with CNN, um, to then basically chuck his toys out of the pram and decide not to hold further press conferences. It's just, it's bizarre um, and not helpful. I think the other thing with it is that it, 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 it uh, uh, and again, the partisan politics in America, and I, I look at it and I just think, you know, it, it is that element of, of, that there are people who will listen to what he says. And, and, you know, you had one of the quotes there about UV light and, you know, he then went on to talk about bleach and, you know, we should, we should look into that and, and whether, you know, it, we could, and you just think people will, there is, it won't be many, but there are some who will listen to you and genuinely believe that you've come up with the cure but yeah, you know, well, that's not being rolled out across America because the media's dead set against him. And if he had found the cure to Corona, that would mean that he, you know, he'd be elected again. So, and you just think, how can the world have gone as mad when the leader of the free world can busk like he was doing there? And you could hear the sort of uncomfortable silences between what he was saying, because he was obviously, oh, you said you were going to test that. And I can almost see that, again, obviously I can't see it, but I have just this picture of somebody looking at him wide-eyed and incredulous and saying, no, we didn't. But I, I, I don't know, I think we've probably all been in meetings at some point where um, someone relatively high up has asked a, a particular question that demonstrates the lack of informed knowledge they have about how things work. And to be fair at a high level you're you're not necessarily meant you know he's not necessarily useful to to know those things but from a point of view of you don't want to say that's a stupid question in the middle of that meeting you 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 know you obviously you maintain the kind of okay well I'll, I'll have a look at that and get back to you which is kind of how I how I how I read him it, it was just a strange way of, of of the way that he used that conversation of I think what you said to me was and I think what you were talking to me about was these these kind of strange things and that you said that you were going to look into that it kind of almost sounds like what actually happened was he asked that question in a meeting and they said that in order to because they didn't want to say to the to the leader of the free world no that's a really stupid thing we can't shove uv lights up people's into into people's (laughs) bodies um and no you can't inject detol into people because it really it really really won't work um, and you know uh, it will kill the virus, but it will also kill the patient. So don't do it. Um, it, it I, 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 I don't know. I just find it sad that, like, like you said, Ian, it's this kind of grandstanding thing of 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 wanting to make that about the person rather than the useful thing that the that the the public that need to have that information that need to have that bit of a reassurance 
um, that need to hear from the scientists. They're not getting that. Instead, they're getting this pantomime. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I, you've got to think, how long will it will it continue? I mean, it, it's interesting. It'll be fascinating to see what happens in, in November because I think America are obviously quite a long way behind us. Um, I don't know that they're going to get back to normality as, as soon as, uh, as quickly as the rest of the world. And there's an election still scheduled to take place over there. There won't be the rallies. There won't be the stuff that, that Trump has, has, I mean, let's be honest, Trump was elected by kind of rearing up and saying, look, I'm your guy. I'm going to offer this kind of palpable change. If you've had enough of, you know, um, you know what, what you've seen, then, then, then vote for me. And, and he managed to kind of really get people behind him, didn't he, with that just quite a woke society we live in nowadays. So at sensitive times, isn't it? And he stood up and said, you know what, I, I'm your guy. I'm going to represent all of you that have the finger pointed at you um he's not gonna be able to do that it's gonna have to be on online campaigning and and, and media and, and these sort of things that we're seeing now which he's not handling particularly well no and uh, and you know again uh, this is this has shown him up in a light you know up up until the coronavirus you know the american economy was was doing extremely well unemployment was very low you know the the resurgence in u.s manufacturing he had incredibly managed to you know just by saying it often enough engendered that sense of america being great again but now the kind of that you know for me the the wheels are coming off everywhere and you know, it does worry me the u.s political system because you know i i, I looked at it last time round, and you obviously had um you had donald trump or hillary clinton yeah. You know, and I heard that described as, you know, the election to find the second worst person in the world. And I just <laughs> think, how can you be a nation of however, 300 and something million people and end up with, you know, two very extreme versions of, of left and right, and then say to the American people, we'll choose. It does worry me that, that you know, that politics of personality um i hope it never goes any further than it has already here no well i mean i think it's fair to say also i don't think the opposition is particularly good when you're looking at you know i don't think biden is particularly strong i think sanders probably had a a good was saying the right things um for many at the time bloomberg was an absolute flop disaster so i don't think there was were a real strong group of of, of candidates and I think looking at them he was probably rubbing his hands together before all of this because I think he was saying things that resonated and doing a, a relatively good job but your personality aside um, a lot of the things that he was doing were, were going down well with uh, American citizens I think but you know and with the lack of opposition he was probably gleaming but I'm oh yeah sure. no and again when you look at it when we talk about the coronavirus and I, I have to credit the economist podcast the intelligence on this because um, they broadcast so georgia are easing lockdowns this week it's clear that they have not yet hit the peak of the pandemic and some of the places which they are now authorizing to open included gyms nail bars tattoo parlors bowling alleys and i just sat listening to it and thinking a nail bar. So 
I don't have my nails done that often. I, I don't know about <laughs> you too, but, but surely that involves two of you sitting face to face for 40 minutes, two feet apart. And it does worry me that, that you know, well, you know, let's hope not. Let's hope that science does a sideswipe. But I do, I do worry for America that there are going to be certain states which are going to, this is going to end in tears. Well, the um, the, well, the Spanish flu in nineteen eighteen, um, that you know the waves that that came in, um, the first wave was only about a quarter of the of the end number of of fatalities, wasn't it? Yep. No, no, very bad. Spanish flu, very bad. Yeah. Five hundred million people that one got. Crazy. I mean, I do think from at the end of this, I, I you know, optimistically, I think we're going to come out of this quite united as a nation I, i'm not i can't say that for for america i think one of the only options is going to be to villainize china and to try and mm. put sanctions on and, and to make them the villains um i think we will come out of it and and talk about the sense of community and and how great the nhs uh coped and all coming together but i just think over the pond it's it's going to be messy before it becomes cleaner really absolutely so let's turn our attention to something a little bit closer to home um obviously the uh the lib dem administration this week announced that the seafront road in south sea was being closed for a number of weeks and yeah. this was obviously to well opinions varied uh, obviously if you if you keep an eye on the portsmouth liberal democrats facebook page there was a, a host of do. ribald opinions as to why it had been done yeah. um yeah it's um it it um yeah sorry terry go on you're you're uh, yeah <laughs> Well, I'm happy to start if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I do, well, at the end of the day, the point of having a guest on the show <laughs> is, is to... Well, I, I'll, I'll briefly tell you what I know about it. Then you can jump in and I um, Yeah, I've not seen the, the Lib Dem Facebook page, as you can imagine. So I don't know what the opinions are there. I mean, we did call for it uh, a few weeks ago, um, and it was being done at the time, at weekends only. And there was some confusion, I think, about whether that road should be kept closed uh, throughout a few weeks ago and I think you know, I'm sure Steve won't mind me saying I think Steve wanted to have an, a, a, the next step you know, I think he felt if you close the road there and then three weeks ago where do you go after that if people aren't adhering to social distancing and at the time it didn't look like people were you know doing that as much as perhaps they were um, and there were some concerns there I take a slightly different view I think that like Simon said earlier I know there are lots who look out their windows and start forging opinions as to why people are out and what they should be doing but likewise we know that it, it spreads doesn't it like a trend so when you see people out they think well they're going out my need is as great as theirs and it, it, before you know it lots of people are all following suit um because they they feel like no one else is listening or, so why should they so I, I think i would have probably shut it earlier um however i do appreciate why steve chose to make that decision and, and hold back on closing it full time. Yeah. So it's, it, um, so this just, um, just in case um, any of our listeners aren't up to, up to speed with it, this is the closure that takes place. So it comes into effect from May the 1st and it's for the stretch. If I've understood this rightly, it's the stretch um, that's immediately to the West of Canoe Lake 
um, all the way along uh, the seafront up to um, just before the hovercraft. Um, so um, that's the you know that's that's the kind of the length of the of the seafront that um, that's being talked about. Um, and I know some people were concerned about um, using the gates um, because that um, makes it difficult for cyclists cycling along the seafront because they go across the cycle paths. Um, but apparently, the, the it's the case that um, it won't be done that way, so that um, the cyclists won't have to dismount and therefore kind of go onto the promenade in order to get kind of round to the you know round to the round the gates. So it's 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 pretty much you know it's most of the seafront, um, but not entirely all of it. Um, but like a lot of these things, surely you've kind of got to see how they work um, and respond to the needs as as they uh, you know for the for the people of Portsmouth as as they change and as as the council takes steps to try and allow people to exercise and be safe doing it you've kind of got to respond to what's you know evolving an evolving situation I guess absolutely yeah. right back to my point earlier it's okay to say we're going to have a look at it let's monitor yeah. it yeah, and I think the, the the challenge is, look, you know that the the seafront is a uh, it is a wonderful kind of lovely long flat gentle walk from you know between the two piers, um, you know, a nice wide promenade, lovely for you know anybody who's you know got any kind of disability or you know with a pram or a buggy or whatever. So it is a it is going to be a very appealing space to be in for for that you know, fresh air based walk. And I think that, you know, the challenge is, to your point there, Terry, is that the more people see people out, the more, you know, people think, well, oh, that's okay, then, you know, again, my personal experience of today, I, I have to exercise my guide dog in a place where he doesn't work, um, because he is an awkward sod, which means if he realizes that just across the road, there is a park, I will never get to the train station again as he will simply look at the park and go, we're going over there to play. So we take him to Porchester Castle and the first two weeks of lockdown, I would say there were four or five people and they were all dog walkers and, and that was the entirety. We went there today and it was heaving. There were families picnicking, there were, you know, great groups of people who appeared to be families and again like you say we don't want to look and judge and someone but in terms of the traffic for me that my worry is that that adherence with the lockdown is already starting to slip i'm not so sure i think in real it's difficult to know in reality isn't it because i think you can go out and see no nobody around and it's it's quiet um and yet you also see pictures and people exchanging on social media that it's absolutely heating and there are people having barbecues and, and sunbathing and all of those sorts of things. And um, what's interesting during this actually is, is what we've seen from Ports of Police, who I think do a fantastic job at the moment as well, by the way, um, in that they are, uh, they're showing, thanking people for, you know, adhering to lockdown measures and showing photographs of things of relatively or absolutely quiet, um, usually heaving spots. Um, so I don't know if it is, it's, it's interesting to know whether that's a, a staged photograph to, to give a perception of people uh, adhering to lockdown or whether actually that's a, a true representation. I guess the argument is if you really are uh, following the guidance, we won't know. For sure. 
it's um it's a weird one isn't it i mean i'm really fortunate that you know i've got foxes forest and hillsy lines on my on my doorstep so that you know they're beautiful beautiful parts of the city to um to to go round for my daily exercise um and it and obviously lots of other people feel that feel the same way um but it's i i there's there's a little bit little bit of me that wonders whether whether it's perhaps the best thing in the world for the police to be saying what areas they're going to be policing um in advance on their social media posts there is such a thing as informing people in advance yeah. um so you know maybe maybe that might be something they they want to dial back from um because oh hang on they said they're going around here today so we'll go to Milton Park instead and have a barbecue um so it's but it, it, it is good to see them out and I've and I've seen uh, police officers and PCSOs um, out and about on on my walks and by far you know most people are fine some days are busier than others um, but you know um, I just I, the thing that I take away is that um, once I'd got into my head of I don't know what the circumstances are of these four people that are um, sitting around in a circle that have obviously come here on their bikes or these you know these, these people that are don't look like they're from the same household, but who am how am I going to know? Um, you know, once you kind of remind yourself not to not to be drawn by the what is very visible and therefore kind of questioning whether they're following or not. All I can be responsible for is am I following it? Am I doing what I should be doing? Um, and that's the bit that I'm responsible for, and and I do that. But it's it it's 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 an interesting one. Um, but I think by and large, we what we you know it's it's hard to fall, it's easy sorry to fall into the trap of when we think people aren't following it. But what we should be comforted by is that, in all honesty, were we really expecting that a hundred percent of people were going to follow these guidelines? Because in all truth, for for whatever reasons, there was always going to be someone that wasn't going to. And unless you live in a police state, which I don't think anybody's arguing for, um, that's going to happen. Um, but as long as enough people that to make it work are following the guidelines, then it does its job, um, and that's the kind of the, the thing that kind of uh, that, that comforts me. But I'm fortunate that I live in a part of the city where I've got beautiful places like that to exercise. And not everybody is as is as fortunate as that. Um, you know, we are the sec the second most densely populated city in the country outside of London, aren't we? So, you know, not everybody has has places as, as beautiful to go as Foxes Forest and Hillsy Lines. And I think it's important to mention that the vast majority have done a fantastic job during yeah. a difficult time and really are following those rules. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the most people are, are doing it. It's, it's just that the nature of, of how we spot things is that we spot the, you know, we spot the negative. We kind of call out the negative and actually, the vast majority of people are doing what they need to do. They are following the, the following the guidelines, and they are looking out for each other. So it's the yeah, you 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 you're right. Let's try to remind ourselves to to focus on that. Actually, most people have got this right. Yeah. Well, it's been absolutely superb. So Terry, thanks ever so much for uh, for coming on. Hopefully, we've not been too brutal with you. It's uh, we've been described as like desert island discs without the music <laughs> no not at all absolutely fantastic and thanks for having me no well thanks very much for agreeing to agreeing to come on um it's been a pleasure having you um and our door our virtual door 
is is open to everyone. So sorry, Terry, we couldn't fix the kind of the issues about your video. They did, they still didn't kind of work out. But obviously, hopefully, um, everyone could hear you um, clear as day, which was which is the most important thing. But thank you so much for giving us your time. And I've always Wonderful. thought, thank you. I've always thought that seeing is overrated. <laughs> You've been listening to the Pompey Politics podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. I've been Simon Sansbury, and our guest has been. Gary Norton. Go well, folks. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>